Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team the Rays radio network proudly presents this week in Rays baseball drilled the center field indeed back on it is Eaton to the track to the wall it's gone Kevin Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center and he gives the Rays a six to four lead here in the ninth Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody. Good morning and welcome to our show. Today, we'll sit down with Nick Franklin and discuss his best run at the Major League level. We'll chat with Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun about Alex Cobb's return, hit the minors and look at four raised affiliates going to the postseason, chat with Melvin Upton Jr. about his return to Tropicana Field, and we'll visit with Alex Cobb on his return to the mound and Eddie Gamboa on his first Major League appearance. We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball. Our featured guest this week is one Nick Franklin. And, Nick, first of all, thanks very much for joining us. For you, I know it's good to have you back on the field. How scary, if at all, was that incident where you got hit on the head by Kevin Kiermeyer's accidental swing? It was just more of a freak accident to me. It was something that I never thought would have happened. I thought I was out of the way of him, and uh, that's why I think it's partially my fault. But, you know, things happen, and hopefully I'll won't happen again in baseball you know you always hear about concussions mild or otherwise with catchers how for someone who hasn't caught was it difficult to deal with an injury that you weren't quite sure okay what the recovery time is you know you break an arm or or have a muscle pull usually you have a pretty good idea when things are going to be better yeah absolutely I've actually had two concussions in my past so before this actually happened so I had relatively a good idea of when I was going to be back just for the fact that I didn't think it was that bad as the past two, so I therefore I just thought it was going to be a normal recovery time, which was a few days. Which is good, and you know it's good that you've gotten past it. When were the others? Were they in the minors? Were they when you were in high school? Yeah, 2011 I was in Double A, and 2013 when I was with Seattle, up in Seattle. Uh, both instances were just kind of like this one, you know, just never really expected that to happen, and. Uh, and so, you know, so I did. I'm kind of curious as a guy who obviously has played baseball for the Rays in Seattle and grew up playing baseball. Did you play a lot of other sports and did you play a lot of contact sports too? Uh, I played football growing up. I played pretty much every sport growing up. Uh, I, but I never 
never not one time did I ever take baseball off for for any other sport. So when baseball was on, it was you know baseball or football was done, basketball was done, volleyball was done, everything was done. Was there ever a choice for you, and what ignited the passion for baseball? What got you so excited about that sport in particular? Uh, I think it was just because my dad had me playing it since I was three to four, like t-ball, or I don't even remember. And I think that it would just became more of, I wouldn't say a routine, it just something became a part of me about it that just I played every single day, it felt like, and I started to enjoy it because I did well in it. And as a kid, you know, when you do well at something, you always want to do it. Um, and I think that's how it all started. Were there players that you grew up watching that you really enjoyed as a kid? I mean, I know you came up as a shortstop in the Seattle organization. Right, absolutely. It was, uh, I actually remember my ninth birthday card was a King Griffey Jr. baseball card my parents made. And uh, he was just kind of a big idol growing up. Of course, you came from the Orlando area where he lived, too. Was that part of it also? Uh, you know, honestly, I didn't know that as a kid until, obviously, I got drafted by Seattle. I really didn't have any information, background on him. I know as a kid, we didn't really have computers or cell phones to look up these things or really TVs to watch the games. Majority of the time, just you always saw it on highlights or a sports center or something like that because you're always in school or some kind of activity. Chatting with Nick Franklin again on This Week in Race Baseball. And you recently, before the injury, had actually been on what I would consider your best run as a Major League Baseball player. Would you agree with that assessment, that this has been kind of your best run at the big league level? Yeah, I would, I would agree. I just think it's just experience as it comes along. Is the more time, the more chances that you get, the more work that you put in, the more at-bats that you get, the better you're going to be. And I think that's just what's contributed to it. Are there things, though, that maybe you've done a little differently this year in terms of preparation that you think have allowed you to be that much more successful? Or is there more of a comfort level? I think it's just more of a routine. It's establishing a routine and sticking with it. Doing the same thing every single day, waking up same time, going to bed at the same time, getting to the field, doing your work same time, making sure that you're doing the same things and not changing anything that hasn't been working. And the reason I ask that is because you did have, at least the big league level, kind of a tougher stretch last year. And I don't know how much of it was due to the fact that your season kind of got off to a tough start injury-wise with the oblique and how much maybe that threw you off going into this that year. Yeah, I actually remember talking about it briefly. It was tough just for the fact that recovering from that and knowing that guys have already been doing well and it was going to be tough to get it playing time as it was. And I think putting the pressure on myself to try to do that much better was making it only worse for me and my injury. And were there things that, obviously, you? it's kind of a freak-type situation, but do you feel that maybe you did anything differently physically in the off-season to get you ready for this year than, than in the past? Uh, there was a few things that I did different this year. It was uh, Usually I try to put on a bunch of weight, and uh, this year I just didn't really care about my weight. I didn't really care how much or what I looked like. I just thought about training like an athlete and being athletic on the field and that was my job you know because I'm not I'm not a first baseman that's going to hit 50 plus uh, I don't think really anybody does but that wasn't my job I think my job was just to be athletic play all the positions shortstop middle infield wherever and obviously it's kind of helped me this year being in the outfield what was that like when you were first told okay you're going to the outfield um, because it's not something you've done a lot in this organization 
Uh, it's not the first time I've heard it. I remember doing it in Seattle, working in the outfield in Seattle, and I liked it a lot. Uh, it's hard to embrace as a young kid coming through the minor leagues, and the, you know, especially once you go to the you know big leagues and you're a second baseman, and then things start to unravel and things become different. So it's hard to really adjust to those things. So as a young kid, it was tough at first. But since that, since then, I've, I feel like I've embraced it more than I ever have, and seen great with it. Do you think that maybe guys like, whether it was Ben Zobrist who was here, or other guys like that who've been able to do it successfully and made it into a very successful, lucrative career, makes it easier, though, for players going forward to go, okay, it's not such a bad thing to have to play other spots? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great option or opinion to think about just that the fact that they've done it but also I think everyone's different and they have their different mindsets towards what they want to do and obviously your pride takes over more than anything and you have to let that go a little bit and just figure out like what's going to be best for you at the end of the run and obviously so far so good who's been most helpful to you in learning some of the other positions or adjusting to playing the outfield especially here at the trop where you know you do have the roof to contend with it is a very different background yeah, I think Rocco's done a really great job. He's done nothing but support me on it, and he has a very passive but informal way of telling me how to play the outfield, which is I think is a great way because it's not like he's putting a lot of pressure on you, but at the same time he's just letting you know like certain little things you may have questions, and he's he's always been there for me at least, and any question I've had, and he's been a great You've obviously had a lot of success at the plate, too. Um, To me, the game that stands out is the one you had against Boston, where you drove in five runs and you hit that home run to the back wall, where things really started to turn for you. Is that fair, or is there a point where you really felt that much more comfortable at the plate here? Yeah, I think I don't think there was really a turning point or a specific game that did it for me. I think just ever since I got the first recall, I thought that, nothing was going to change and my comfortability was going to stay the same and everything was going to fall in place and so far so good again nick franklin with us on this week in race baseball and nick you know being a guy who grew up in the state of florida what has it meant to you when you got traded here and now have the chance to play at the major league level in your home state i know your family probably traveled a lot to see you play once you first got to the big leagues all the way on the other coast yeah it's it's they're more ecstatic than i was i would say and they just like last year they had season tickets and I was, you know, I was just making sure that I could still make the team and they were already planning ahead. But I, uh, you know, it's, it's very exciting as a, as a player, obviously growing up in Orlando, I think anybody that would grow up in the state of Florida would love to play for the Rays. And I think it's a, a great thing to have a great blessing on me and I'm happy for it. Obviously you're now playing here at the big league level. Do you remember ever coming here as a kid? catching a big league game and if so what are your first memories of major league baseball games as a spectator uh honestly i've never really been to a major league game growing up as a kid there was one spring training game that i went to or two spring training games i went to one was in disney and the other one was in kissimmee for the astros and those were the only two professional games that i ever went to get autographs or anything like that or nothing stuck out i was i remember very vague it was just I can remember having a ball and getting a few autographs here and there, but nobody in particular that I was, like, real excited about. Um, Craig Biggio was one of my favorite players growing up, so when I went to that Houston spring training again, I don't think I remember seeing him at all, actually. 
and uh, couldn't figure out why, but now obviously I would know why that the way spring training goes. But uh, those were the only two professional games I went to. You almost have to check out the schedule before you go to those games, as, as I think most people know now. You're a switch hitter. When did you start to switch hit, and how difficult is it to do it while also playing other spots? Uh, it was kind of back and forth as I was growing up. I was like when I was 11, 12, and then I would stop. And when I went back to when I was 14, I went to freshman year of high school, and the head coach didn't want me switch hitting. He wanted me to stay left-handed just because of I was so young and I hadn't seen pitching like this. And so I stayed left-handed for the first year, transferred schools, and then they ended up switch hitting for the rest of the time for sophomore, junior, and senior year. If you had to have a meal with three people, you could pick the three people you'd want to have for at that meal. Who would you want? say LeBron James would be one. <laughs> I named my dog after him, actually. And uh, I'd say, wow. I really don't, I don't, I don't know. LeBron James would be, I would say my one and only. I don't really have two other people. I think LeBron's just as cool as it is. And what kind of dog is it that, that you named your dog LeBron? Or his name's James, but uh, <laughs> he uh, he's a pit bull. He's a red-nosed pit bull and had him for the last five years obviously your your lebron love goes way back then yeah exactly it's uh he's been kind of a inspirational athlete ever since i've seen him come on the field or the court i should say and as you mentioned that's five years let's look forward five years if i were sitting down with you to talk about your game at the major league level where do you hope to be five years from now as a major league baseball player i just hoped i'd be still doing the same thing and hopefully i'd fit in somebody's role well, hopefully that is the case. So far, so good here, and good to see you back on the field. Thanks for joining us in this week in Rays Baseball. Thanks, Neil. That's Nick Franklin. We continue right after this on the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on this week in Rays Baseball, and time to take a look at the week on by with Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun and BA. Really, the story this week, regardless of how you look at the week, is Alex Cobb. What were you most impressed by in terms of what Alex did? The way that he recovered, uh, you know, I think that that first of all, it was 705 days since he had last appeared in a major league game. And having gone through two Tommy Johns myself, um, you understand and I understand completely the work that goes on behind the scenes that no one sees early in the morning, just little things. I mean, at the very beginning, you're just trying to move that elbow and then starting to strengthen it before you even think about picking up a baseball again and throwing in a competitive uh, situation. So knowing about all that hard work. Work and knowing what he had to go through and put in to almost go two years and then to make that debut against a very powerful Toronto lineup, I don't care if it's at home or not, you just, it, it, to me it felt like I thought that, that it would feel like your major league debut all over again. I mean, that's what it really felt like. And so my thought going in, you didn't even really care about the performance. You just wanted him to get to his pitch count, be healthy, and start to build something. And you knew also that if he wanted to have a good outing, that you were going to have to manage emotions early. And he gives up a couple of hard hit balls in the first inning, a couple of runs in the first inning, and you're saying, uh-oh, this isn't looking good. He's got 50-some pitches through two. Uh, how long is he even going to last now? Maybe maybe three and a third. Maybe, maybe he gets four complete. And then all of a sudden, it, he got into the flow of the game. The pitches, you know, his last three innings, five strikeouts, 31 pitches. Now, let's just do some math. Five strikeouts take at least 15 pitches, 31 total. I mean, that's locking it in. And then you finish the fifth inning by striking out the side. Um, 
I get goosebumps talking about it. It was so exciting to see him do that. Not only the kind of pitcher he was you know, before the injury, but the kind of guy he is, the kind of leadership that he'll bring to this team, um, I was thrilled for him. And, and I thought that the way that he bounced back and finished was, a, was champion level. I was going to ask you what he can mean to this group going forward and how much was he missed over the last 705 days that he was not out on a mound. Well, I, I think that, first of all, the one thing that Alex Cobb brings is a workmanlike mentality. Blue collar, nose to the grindstone, no fluff and pomp and circumstance, and he, he doesn't make, you know, uh, you know, he's not a showman. He just goes out and he pitches, and he pitches effectively, and he wins. He sets a good example, and he works his tail off. And I think that that kind of leadership is wonderful for any staff. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't care who it is. A guy like that that's done it before. Um, the guys, they know the kind of work that he's put in, you know, behind the scenes stuff that we'll never see, uh, that we're not privy to. But he, he sets a wonderful example, um, and I just think that he's the kind of guy, just the, just that blue collar midwestern guy, you know, just that kind of guy that you want around other players, especially when those other pitchers are young. You know what I mean? And other players for that matter, too, because he can, he can set an example um, for everybody. And, and then the way, like I said, the way that he came out and, and what he'll get to do this last month going into the offseason, I think, sets the tone. I think he absolutely was missed um, in that leadership-type role. But at the same time, when you're injured like that and you're not out there performing, it's tough for you to feel... You know what I mean? Like, you can go ahead and do that. Well, now he's back. Now he can do that, and I think that'll be beneficial for everybody moving forward. And because of he being in the rotation, the Rays have gone to this six-man. They don't have to shut anyone down now in the month of September. How important is that that guys get to pitch all the way through and, and get to their innings limits without that worry? It's great. It's great. And, and, and you know, if uh, the situation presents itself like it has here for the Rays, then you go ahead and you seize on that. And um, it allows everybody to stay somewhat on a regular rotation to get their starts in. You don't want to just shut someone down cold turkey. And we've seen that before. The pitcher doesn't like that. I don't think developmentally it's very good. It, it, even in the mind, forget about actually going out there to throw, but just to not be playing anymore with four weeks to go or whatever it is, um, it w- would be tough. So the six-man rotation, I think the other way that it benefits this squad is there's only one more off day. So it's not like you've got you know three or four more off days and guys are going to get bumped around and be like a quarterback playing once a week. You know, you're going to keep everybody on, on a regular, um, you know, a, a somewhat regular turn. And, you know, they can go out there and continue to do their thing and try to build momentum for the offseason. And obviously you have – Starting pitching options for next year, but I think the bullpen needs to be figured out. You've seen good from Alex Colme. You've seen good from Brad Boxberger since he's returned off the DL. Who else have you liked, and what else are you looking for in the last month? Wow, I, I mean, there, there's so many different different pieces out there. You know, you start to think about uh, Xavier Cedeno getting back with the cutter, the curveball. Any Romero, can you iron out the command issues? Because the stuff's electric. You know, I mean, I mean he's going to get you that mid to upper 90s fastball and the slider if he can command it and you can feel comfortable. See, that's the thing. A manager has to feel comfortable in a guy coming in 7, 8 inning. You know what I mean? End of the ball game. I know this guy's going to throw strikes. Now, he may, you know, it may not work out every time, but I don't have to worry about him coming in 
and bouncing stuff, throwing stuff to the backstop. So if we can get the command issues ironed out, any Romero, um, what about Danny Farquhar and what he's done recently? I mean, this is a guy that's got some past you know, pedigree here with being a back-end guy, picking up some saves. He had a rough go of it earlier this year, but he's all of a sudden started to miss some bats, pick up some strikeouts, uh, move the ball around. The thing about it is, is that, ro- that the bullpen you feel is going to be remade completely. Re- and right now it's an audition for everybody. And who's going to be able to come in, um, you know, some of the younger guys, you, you know, with the Garten and Sturdivant that have gotten opportunities. It's a, it's a tryout for everybody. And so who's going to leave a, a good taste in the, in the managers and management's mouth, you know, in the offseason? Now you're going to have to come in and win it again next year. But, you know, there's a lot of possibilities out there, but you, you want to see somebody step up. And I think recently they've been much better uh, than they were obviously earlier in the year. No doubt. B.A., good stuff as usual. Thanks very much for joining us. You betcha, Neil. Anytime, bud. That is Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun. Before we continue, let's pause for station identification on the Rays Baseball Network. This is Tampa Bay Sports Radio. To the wall! Gone! 620 WDAE St. Petersburg and 95.3 FM, home of the Rays. Neil Solon's with you on This Week in Rays Baseball. Let's take a look at the minor league side of the Rays. Hudson Valley, one of four Tampa Bay affiliates going to the postseason, joining Princeton, Bowling Green, and Montgomery, and the manager of the Hudson Valley Renegades, Tim Parenton. Tim, thanks very much for coming on today. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for having me. You guys are 47-25 and 25 and, and just this week had a 12-game win streak snap. So give me an overshot of why this group has been so successful. You know, I just They've been successful because they come to the ballpark every day ready to work. It's a good group of guys, and no matter what lineup we put out there, you know, the younger levels we bring into the development part of it, they play hard and do their jobs. One of the guys who's been at the top of the lineup most of the year is last year's first-round pick, Garrett Whitley. It looks like he's gotten better month to month. How do you assess how he's done so far in this uh, really first major opportunity to play on an everyday basis? You know, he's made great strides, you know, started off pretty slow early for us and then, you know, picked it up here lately. Got Last night had a walk-off base hit for us to win the ball game. And, you know, each each game he plays, he, he gets better. He just realizes, you know, the importance of every little thing going on. And, you know, a guy who only played 20 or 30 games a year now getting into the 70s and 80s, he, he's doing a great job for us. You got a good mix of kids who are from high school and from college, and one of these this year's top picks is Jake Fraley. He leads you in stolen bases. It looks like he's had a, a pretty good season after the adjustment period. Yeah, you know when most of them come out of the college game, they the top round guys. All they see is breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking ball in college because no one wants to throw to them. When they get here, it's velocity, and, and every night. You know, each team choosing three or four pitchers because they're on pitch count, so guys go out there and they keep the ball, you know, moving pretty good. But Jake's made great strides. You know, at played, he's hit some doubles and triples, stole a lot of bases. And, you know, he's on pace to get 44s, and then he had a little bump come up the other day, but he's back in the lineup here the next couple of days. And again, with just a couple left in the regular season, the guy who leads you and runs batted in, his brother probably gets more attention, Joshua Lowe. That's Nathaniel, his older brother, who was taken in the 13th round, Joshua the Rays' first-round pick. What, what can you say about the season Nathaniel's had? Well, Nate's had a great, great year for us. He, you know, he's played first base the entire year for us. And he's a really good hitter. He knows 
how to hit. He gets balls all over the ballpark and shows some power when he has to. And he's just been real good for us. And you've got a couple other guys I know from a position player standpoint who, who have stood out, one being uh, Jim Haley, a draft pick this year, who's played mostly at the hot corner. Yeah, he's, he's been our third baseman, you know, throughout the year, other than his off-stage week. But he, defensively, he's done very, very good over there. Offensively, he's hit anywhere from two, three, four, five, four, and, and he's just been a really good player all year. Jim Haley, we, we just touched on. Bill Pujols is the other guy who's joined him on the left side of the infield, your shortstop. And, and as I understand, he's been probably one of the better defensive players you've had this season. Yeah, he's made all the, all the routine plays and made some spectacular, you know, crazy plays also on second base and, and on choppers and all at shortstop. You know, we put him at shortstop about second weekend, and, and it really put our, put our defense over the top. Again, we're chatting with Tim Parenton. He is the manager of the Hudson Valley Renegades. Again, they are one of four Rays affiliates going to the playoffs, and we touched on a lot of your position players. Obviously, the defense that has been provided by Bill Pujols has helped your pitching staff. Travis Ott has put up the best numbers and made the all-star team this year after repeating this level. What has allowed him to really excel in Hudson Valley this season? I think he really learned how to pitch, how to control his pitches, his arm slide, on slap that he's comfortable with, and he's able to just locate all three pitches whenever he wants to, where he wants to from the left hand. You know, he's a left-hand pitcher, and he's, he's just done great job of location on all of them. Adrian Navis has also been one of your better starters this year. He's not a guy I'd heard much about coming into the season. What can you tell me about Adrian? Hey, Adrian uh, you know, came in as a person we thought could start for us all year. I missed the start. He, his velocity is pretty good. He's in the mid-90s. And he also has a great change-up to go with that. And he's working on a breaking ball. And, you know, the one thing I can say about our pitching staff is each and every one of them taking the ball every every time from the start. We hope it continues through the playoffs. Indeed. And it appears you've had a pretty locked-down bullpen led by a kid who was drafted this year out of Fordham University, Joe Serapica. He's yet to allow a run. I think he's allowing, what, about a hit? Every other inning, has he been as dominant as the numbers, and what makes him so difficult to hit? He has been as dominant as the numbers, and the one thing Joe does, he has no fear. He goes out there and his block, his fastballs, you know, mid nineties, and he's got a great slider. He goes that goes with it, and he wants the ball every night. You know, and I, we have some rules we have on him, but whenever he gets it, he's out there and he's a hundred percent every time. Well, I know you have two games here before the end of the regular season. want to wish you best of luck in the playoffs. I'm sure we'll talk to you during the course of your postseason, and hopefully it's a, a championship run this year for the Hudson Valley Renegades. Well, thanks, Neil. I appreciate it. Again, that is the manager of Hudson Valley, Tim Parenton. Again, four Rays affiliates making the postseason. Hudson Valley along with Montgomery, Bowling Green, and Princeton. Other minor league news this week was the Arizona Fall League rosters were announced. And joining us now is the director of minor league operations for the Rays, Mitch Lukovich. Mitch, thanks very much for coming on. Congratulations on the uh, the playoff uh, teams as well. Well, Neil, thank you for having me. And that's uh, important for us to, to have meaningful games in August. And you have four teams that not only, you know, had meaningful games, but uh, – you know, getting in the playoffs uh, right right soon. So we're really happy about that. And some of those kids who are going to the postseason also are going to get to play in the Arizona Fall League. Let's touch on the guys that you picked. Um, some of them, I, I would think, need additional reps and also the test of playing against the best competition. 
how much of it is the you know coming back from some injury and missing some time, and how much of it is the competition level? Well, for some, it's making up innings. Maybe you know, in Brent Honeywell's case, who will be our he's our starter out there. We can have him make up a few innings, and uh, that should help him for next year. But also, it's going to be really good competition for him. And 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 for the most part, depending on the individual, make up innings, make up any make up at bats. But really, this is a test for all these kids to get out there in Arizona with better competition, fast fields, wide air, and they better have their A game on to have some success. But I want to touch on some of those kids. Let's begin on the position player side. Justin O'Connor is a guy you guys have been high on for so long, and he missed a significant amount of time starting in spring training. I know he's playing once again. Is this just about getting him as many at-bats as you can? Well, actually, it's to get him to squat behind the plate along with at-bats. He's been out for a year. Catching's a very demanding position, and when you miss a whole year, you know, we need him to squat down in, in games in a row. And so that, that way his body can get acclimated again to catching. Of course, he's going to get some at-bats. So we need him to catch up a little bit and hopefully he can have a good Arizona Fall League uh, physically, mentally, to help him in our 2017 season. Now, is he a guy who will play maybe not every day, but close to it? Is he a, what, what is called, I guess, a priority guy in the Fall League? He's a priority player in which he, he, by being a priority player, is guaranteed four games uh, out of six a week, which we really need. We have Jared Sandberg, our Durham manager. That will manage his ball club, the Peoria ball club out there. Of course, you know, we want that for, for all our players. We have Jared out there. You have Chad Matola, our hitting coordinator out there. Paul Hoover will, you know, take a look at certainly um, both our catchers that are going to be out there. We have Jim Hoff, so it's a venue out there where it's great competition. Guys make up at bats, innings, uh, good competition, but we also can have our eyes on our players there as well. It's a little, I wouldn't say unusual, but it's rare to see two catchers go to the Arizona Fall League. You've got Nick Schufo, former first-round pick, going too. I know he missed some time with a fracture because of a a foul tip similar to what he had in Australia. Is this about the experience more for him? Is he a ta- what's called a taxi squad player, or is he going to get a fair amount of at-bats too? He's a taxi squad player. It doesn't necessarily mean he will be on our Peoria ball club. We did that with Luke Mealy a number of years ago. You get a catcher hurt, and then you get more than two games a week. And this is good for young Nick as well was only played on a high A level. Now he's going to get exposed to uh, very good A ball players, double A, triple triple A players. But here we get, here we go, making up at bats for time loss, innings behind the play for time loss, and in good competition. And we're hoping that you know he'll get a few more than two games a week out there to help his journey along. The other two position players going are both in Double A Montgomery right now, and both very young. Justin Williams, an outfielder, and Keen Wong, a second baseman. Keen has been with your organization uh, all the way through as he was drafted. Justin came over in a trade from Arizona a couple of years back. What can you say about both those guys and what you hope they gain from the fall league? Well, just just the experience out there. Now, both of these guys are not injured, like we mentioned with O'Connor, Honeywell, and Shufo. These guys have played the full year. Justin, split time between 
Pie Charlotte and our Montgomery Club and Keen, who was with our Montgomery Club. You know, we want these guys to get at-bats out there, games played against good competition, a good experience that can help catapult, catapult and help their careers. And, you know, we only have three position players, so it's like, who do you want to go out of all our minor league players and who's ready for the competition? Who can gain the most out of going and playing in the Arizona Fall League? And we think Keen and, and Justin can, as well as uh, our two catchers. Let's touch on the pitchers who are going again to the Arizona Fall League. In addition to Brent Honeywell, you've got one other starter, Greg Harris. Uh, what can you tell us about Greg's development this year in the, in the uh, Florida State League? Well, it, it went fairly well. It's just a command. The stuff's good. I say fairly well, not to be on the negative side. All these kids can learn better command and throwing off-speed pitches uh, when they're not ahead in the count. I mean, it's really important. What do you, He's a right-handed pitcher. What are you throwing to get a left-hander out? So he's going to be in the bullpen. It does not mean that he were putting him in the bullpen um, in his career. In fact, if the starter goes down, we mentioned to our pure well we mentioned to jared and and everybody on the club out there um that he can start it if if needed but it's the experience of higher baseball it's more reps for him it's better location can he do it and can he do it against better competition mitch got about a minute left in this segment so tell me about the two guys who've been relievers this year that are going kyle bird and diego castillo yeah, Kyle Bird's a quick mover. Last year was in Bowling Green, a left-hander with uh, above-average stuff, above-average fastball, above-average breaking ball. Again, quick mover. You need better location. Diego Castillo is another quick mover, um, uh, one of our Latin players that has an exceptional above-above-average fastball. And again, for him, get the high fastball down to a low fastball, throw the high fastball when you need, and he's going to have more success. But Diego Castillo certainly has a power arm. Well, anxious to see how these kids fare in the Arizona Fall League, Mitch. We certainly appreciate you joining us for a few minutes today, and I'm sure we'll talk to you uh, near the end of the Rays regular season to kind of give an overview of this uh, season as a whole for the Rays farm system. Great, Neil. Thanks for having me. Again, that's Mitch Lukovich, Director of Minor League Operations for the Rays. When we continue on this week in Rays baseball from Tropicana Field, we'll visit with Melvin Upton Jr., Alex Cobb, and Eddie Gamboa after this on the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. This week, Melvin Upton Jr. made his first trip to Tropicana Field since playing for the Rays in 2012, and I caught up with Upton on Friday and asked him what this was like. Yeah, definitely. Uh... You know, being on the other side, never been on the other side, definitely in the clubhouse. Uh, obviously, we're sitting in the dugout right now, and it's weird just being on the other side and, and looking from the other side. But um, all in all, man, cool to be back, and I'm uh, excited to be here. Does it feel like four years for you since your last game here? Or it's been about that. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a while, man. It uh, feels, uh, feels like a long time, um, obviously. Uh, there's a couple of times I thought I was going to get to come back, and uh, with the trade, I didn't. Um, and then found out we were coming here pretty soon. So um, it's something I've been looking forward to. Uh, I mean, you always kind of want to visit to visit a place where you started. And uh, like I said, man, I'm excited. What are your best memories with this organization? This is where it began for you. Um, you know what? I mean, from draft day to uh, going from worst to first, and uh, you know, just being 
a part of uh, a core group at the time that um, had experienced both sides of of being that uh, kind of redheaded stepchild to um, you know being being to the top top of the the ALE, so, um, which was a very tough division at the time, and um, you know kind of. Uh, you know, bringing in that winning atmosphere and that, that winning attitude. I remember talking to RV um, about the moment that Aki stepped on second, and he said what sticks with him still is you and CC kind of throwing your gloves up in the air and like like kids having fun. It was a kid's game. Do you remember much of that, and does that stick with you too? Yeah, I mean, it's something that, um, you know, you'll never forget, and it's, it's hard to believe that it was eight years ago. Um, uh, like you said, time moves fast, but... Um, you know, yeah, that, that goes along with, with that um, core group, man, from, from being one of the worst teams to, to the best team in the American League that year. I also remember your last game and how emotional you were at the end from a positive sense. I don't think people saw that, and I don't think, I mean, I think the, there were some of us who understood how much this place meant to you, but I think you kind of showed how much it meant to you. Yeah, man. Um, like I said, through... through uh, through all of it, um, you know where it started, and uh, you know just uh, you know through the good and the bad, man, to um, to go through that, and um, for that to be the last one, um, you know definitely at the time, man, it was something uh, something that I uh, can't quite put a finger on, but it was something that that meant a lot to me, and um, it meant a lot the the way the fans uh, kind of gave me my exit and. Uh, there are some good times here, man. I'll, I'll never forget them. And this is still a home for you, right, in the off season? Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, less, less something drastic happens. I don't see myself leaving, man. It's a place uh, I love to live. Um, love the people in the community. Made a lot of good friends here, and um, it's a place I'll definitely call home. And you obviously had some tough seasons, but then this year really bounced back. Who was most helpful to you? in getting things turned around? Obviously, you did the most work, but who was really helpful in, in getting you going back to where you were? Um, you know what, man? There's, there's a couple people, but um, for the most part, man, I think I, I had to get right with myself and, and get right mentally and, and um, you know, make myself believe again and go back being the, the, the person I am. And um, But obviously, uh, the people I keep closest to me, my, my parents, my brother, um, some very close friends of mine, and um, they've had nothing but encouraging words to say, and they, they always said, um, you know, you're a good ball player, man. Just uh, get mentally right and kind of let me be and do my own thing, and um, here I am. Speaking of former teammates, there aren't many who were with you at the end of 2012. Who are you still close with that you played with? Obviously, uh, the third baseman over there, Evan Longoria, but um, David Price, man, we um, we uh, – we communicate back and forth all the time. He's, he's definitely one of my closest friends, Evan, also. Um, Edwin Jackson. Um, you know, a lot of the guys that uh, you know, I grew up with over here and um, had success with over here. So um, we definitely keep in contact as much as we can. What does it mean to be back in the American League East? Um, I don't know, man. It's uh, obviously it's where it all started and, and uh, played here, played in the East for a number of years. And, um, you know, best division in baseball, and it always uh, always makes for a lot of fun. And in terms of being in a postseason race, what does that mean to you to be back in that type of environment again? You know what, that's that's what you come to spring for, um, you know, to play in the postseason, not only playing it to, to um, you know, to win a championship. So 
for me to be back in it and uh, back in the thick of things on a first-place team. Um, couldn't ask for more, and I'm excited about it. And that is now Blue Jays outfielder and former Ray B.J. Upton. Well, at least still B.J. to me. Now, this week also was the start of September call-ups, and while it wasn't a true September call-up, Alex Cobb kicked off September with his first Major League action since 2014, and yesterday I spoke with him about his first start and what he'll remember most. Feeling the team battle with me, you know, it was leading up to it, they were pumping me up for probably two days before the start, um, a lot of people just coming up to me saying how excited they were to play behind me and um, play with me because most of this team I haven't been a part of. Um, so, you know, getting in that game action, getting the flow of the game, um, feeling the adrenaline, the excitement that you can only experience while you're playing, uh, that was the funnest part. And um, to be able to come away with, you know, being down early and then the team battle back for you and come back with a huge win, 8-2 um, to two deficit, it was awesome. Were there moments in the game that are going to stick with you, and if so, what? I think right now it's um, it's getting the learning process of uh, taking away a lot. You know, I'm still in that um, process of getting back to um, the, the my most potential that I can have, and um, the only way to experience that is to go through game-like um, experiences on the mound, and um, that's, that's coming, and getting in the flow of the game and, and – putting in situations and feeling that big league adrenaline and big league hitters is the only way to experience that and, and duplicate it. Was there anything in this game that surprised you at all about yourself, about the way you handled things? Um, really, once I stepped back on that mound, um, got past that first inning, took a deep breath, it, it really did feel like business as usual. Felt like a midst of a normal game. And so... You know, I wouldn't say anything surprised me. There's there's times that I wasn't executing pitches that I would like to have, and I found ways to get out of it. Um, so those are things that I, I liked, but um, I would prefer to have all three pitches and be able to go and execute at any moment. You've been through so many different experiences and come back from various kinds of injuries. Could you compare this start to any other you've been through? I mean, you've been through playoffs, you know, pitching in big games early in the season, late in the year. I wouldn't, you know, everyone's been, has so much different characteristics to it uh, on the injury front side. You know, they've been different lengths of time. Uh, I feel like the, after I got hit in the head and I came back from that obstacle, was probably the most comparable to this one just because it was more of a lengthy, you know, that one was two months, this is two years, so you know, it kind of ends on that front, but uh, just a feeling of uh, the fans, the teammates, um, friends, families, excitement for you to get back out there, um, that, that's where I draw the most comparables to, to each other, but, um, and the excitement of being on the mound for the first time, and, and kind of not knowing where you are, and things being fast on you, so... Uh, I like to draw those two comparisons, but you know, I I hope I don't have any more in the future. First hurdle cleared, but what do you hope to get out of this month of September when all said and done? I hope to continue that feeling of uh, running out to the mound, getting pitches going, executing pitches, not thinking about anything other than uh, being competitive, filling up the zone, throwing all pitches, not um, hoping and wishing that the pitches do what I 
intend them to do, uh, just execute them. And when I do miss with the pitch, I know exactly why. Um, not drastic changes, minor changes. Um, hoping to get to that point on a more consistent basis, and um, hopefully by you know the next few starts, I'll, I'll feel that. And what will it mean to you to have, I guess, what you would consider a normal off season in terms of preparation for 2017? It's going to be awesome. It's been two years since I've really just taken a deep breath and done nothing for a little while. It's, you know, once I got done with September, I went straight to working out after that uh, season in 2014 and really hasn't stopped since then. So just to be able to be with my fiance, my soon-to-be wife, then go on our honeymoon together, um, relax, and then take about five weeks off and then get back to the grind of um, preparing for 2017. Good luck to you and Kelly, and good luck these last four starts. Thanks, Neil. And that is one Alex Cobb, certainly very excited for him and his return to the mound. Now, Friday was his first start, but it also was the first major league game for September call-up Eddie Gamboa. And I asked Gamboa, a knuckleball pitcher, what the call-up after nine years of waiting to pitch at this level meant to him. Well, it means everything. I mean, just how we talked about, uh, everybody has that story, but very few have it on video. Um, and I wasn't aware of it. Um, I think I'm probably one of the last people to get to see it because uh, after the game, you know, obviously all the nerves and everything going through, um, going back and, you know, um, just saying thanks to everybody, all the text messages I, I received. And I saw it on Facebook and I was like, wait a minute, that's, that's me right there. So um, I heard about it before it came out. I didn't know what they were talking about until I saw it. But, uh, you yeah, know, it was really cool. Um, obviously, Jared and Snides, they... Um, you know, they played along with it, but, you know, they're a big part of why I'm here. They gave me a lot of opportunities uh, to come in relief, to start, and um, I don't think I closed, but I'm sure I was up for that too. So uh, it was a wonderful experience, uh, long road, nine years in the minor leagues. Uh, it definitely humbles you, and, um, you know, I'm just really happy to be here. It would be natural to have moments where you would have thought, how long do I want to keep doing this? Where were those points for you, and where was maybe a turning point? that you think helped get you to this point? The turning point was definitely the knuckleball. Um, I was with the Orioles organization for eight years, and I was getting sandwiched in. I feel like I was doing good enough to keep a job, but I didn't have anything to wow them. And so I was getting sandwiched in. Younger guys were coming up. Um, Obviously, AAA was more for the free agents, guys with experience. So, um, you know, I had to kind of do something that was going to wow somebody and be unique and... um, it kind of fell on my lap when we signed uh, a knuckleballer, uh, Zach Stanwicks, uh, to a minor league deal, and you know, from it just took off from there. And then you ended up here with an organization that had someone who had thrown the knuckleball. How much did Charlie Hager help you this year? He's done everything really. Um, we changed grips. We changed. Um, I guess I don't want to say the lifestyle of it, but really, it was a, a, a huge transformation from what I was to what I am now. Um, and we're still working on things. So, um, you know, he's been great having, uh, we have, you know, every, a knuckleball at every level. So we're able to talk, kind of share our experiences because everybody's experience is different, especially with the knuckleball. So um, it's a little nerve wracking when it comes to throwing something you don't know where it's going. Speaking of nerve wracking, how nerve wracking was that first appearance? It wasn't bad. I only threw my first pitches 45 feet. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, but it was great. It was good. I mean, everybody has it. 
Uh, was I nervous? Absolutely. You know, you wait your whole life for this opportunity and then you're living it. Um, you know, sometimes you don't really know how to react to it. Um, I, I want to say it probably it happened. It was something that happened. I felt it later after after I was done pitching. But, um, you know, when you're out there, you're just it's something you've done your whole life. Throwing strikes, going after batters. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it, it didn't go as planned, but I'm happy I was able to experience it. And I'm sure many more appearances, even more successful to come. Was Charlie here, Charlie Hager here for the appearance, or, or did you talk to him after you got the call-up? I talked to him um, after I got the call-up and after the game. And, um, you know, again, he's somebody that I could go to um, anytime during the day, um, along with other knuckleballers such as uh, Phil Necro and uh, Stephen Wright, Ari Dickey, who's behind us right now. Um, you know, it's, it's great. It's a great little fraternity. I'm probably the only Mexican to throw a knuckleball, so that makes me even more different. But, um, but you know, it's it's something you want to be here and not only just get here, but try and stay and, and try to make your name for it and, you know, make take advantage of the opportunity. You mentioned take advantage. The fact that you do get a full month here, what does that mean to you? Well, it's huge. It's huge because I get to kind of show what I, what I can and cannot do. Um, you know, I've been in AAA all year, so Cash and Jimmy Hickey, they don't know what exactly I have to offer. You know, all they could have is he said, she said, kind of we talked about. It's not like my video where it's on video and you could see everything that happened. So, uh, but again, I mean, I'm around a great group of guys. Um, everybody picked me up. Obviously, it wasn't an outing that I wanted, but um, for me to get one out, it's a, it's a start. That is Eddie Gamboa, and we certainly hope a start of very good things to come after his first Major League appearance. A $2 dog nights presented by Cam Franks for twice the fun with $2 Pepsi fountain drinks. Double up on the deals when the race hosts the Orioles this Wednesday. Call 888-FAN-RACE or visit racebaseball.com slash special. Special thanks to one Eddie Gamboa and all of our guests on our show today, Nick Franklin, Brian Anderson, Tim Parenton, Mitch Lukovich, Melvin Upton Jr., and Alex Cobb. Next week on our show, hear from Evan Longoria. Thanks as well to producer John Milo. Coming up, it's the Rays pregame show, Rays and Jays. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.